just great to see a big crowd here, even though the, the time went back. It's like everybody got it right, so we're, we're all good. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, when I was uh, preparing for this, I couldn't help but think about um, giving gifts. Of course, Christmas is coming, right? I mean, it's just around the corner, that, that gift-giving season's on us. When my son was younger, we'd love to give him gifts. I did. I really loved to give Jacob uh, Christmas gifts. And uh, I would spend a lot of time trying to think about what he might enjoy, what would really kind of make him happy. And and I'd spend a lot of time researching it. I'd go out and I'd find it. I would wrap it in maybe his favorite wrapping paper. I just loved to give him gifts. And the reason for that is because I I loved him and I still love him. I, I wanted to show him that I led him through the gifts that I gave him. And I remember one specific Christmas morning, uh, I had thought this all out. I would got him what I thought was the perfect gift. Could not wait until he opened it. And then he opened it, and I kind of saw that he was happy with it, and I was satisfied, and and I felt great. And I went into the kitchen, and I was messing around, fixing some food or whatever. And a little short while later, I walked back in the living room, and he's playing with the box. And, you know, I kind of think that's kind of where the way we are with the gifts that God gives us. God gives us good gifts, and he gives us gifts to use for his good purpose. But sometimes I think we're just content to play with the box. And so today we're going to be talking about those gifts. But before we get started, I wanted to kind of briefly go over what Randy has talked about in the last couple of weeks. First, he talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit. How in the Old Testament times, the presence was there. The presence of God, the Spirit of God, has been with us since the beginning of time. Uh, That back into the times of Genesis, when we read the first stories. And uh, the the Spirit, though, however, came in the Old Testament, came upon people and then left people. Came upon people until they really started not following God or whatever, then the Spirit would leave. And so the Holy Spirit kind of came and went during those, those Old Testament times. But the presence of the, of the Holy Spirit is permanent with Jesus. The presence rested on Jesus in the New Testament times. And so it worked through Jesus. The presence was a powerful uh, presence. And so I think now when maybe when the presence starts manifesting itself in some people, uh, when people are raising their hands, when they're yelling a lot, and when they're, they're praising the Lord and they're, they're kind of letting it go, sometimes we look at them and we think, that's a little weird. You know, I've had guys do that next to me and to the point where sometimes I kind of want to elbow them and say, hey, buddy, rein it in a little bit. And you know what? It's really, it's so wrong because the, the Holy Spirit it needs to be evident in our lives. It's not just that tingling feeling that you get on Sunday morning when you hear your favorite worship song. It's something that's within you constantly. The Spirit rests on you always like it did with Jesus. Then Randy talked a little bit about the power of the Holy Spirit last week. He said the translation of the word Holy Spirit uh, means a a wind. And it's not a puff of air or a gentle breeze. It's a gale force, hurricane wind. It's powerful. It's powerful. And that's how we need to look at it. After all, the Holy Spirit created everything out of nothing. The Holy Spirit gave uh, Joseph the power to to bring his people out of famine. It gave Joshua the power to defeat the Canaanites and take the promised land that God had given his people. It gave Samson the power to literally bring down the roof. 
It gave Gideon the power to defeat the Midianites, and it gave David the power to conquer his enemies. So the Holy Spirit is powerful. See, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus performed his miracles, not by his own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, we have access to the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave. And we are supposed to use that, folks. Something that I agree with Randy, it's the church, the overall church. I'm not talking about Journey Church. We'll call it the Big C Church. We've kind of diminished what the Holy Spirit really means. The Holy Spirit is a person. We've, sometimes I think we've kind of set it aside. And folks, I think that it's time that the church acknowledge and live as if the Spirit rests upon us. So today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. There's a, just to name a few, there's service, there's hospitality, there's giving, there's mercy, there's prophecy, just to name just a few. And we're going to hit on those, but before we talk about what this, the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, we need to talk about what they're not. And so, first of all, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gifts, the gifts that we receive, aren't talents. Now, let me, let me kind of explain that a little bit. Some people are born with the natural ability to sing. Okay, I wasn't. And you don't want me to prove that to you. But some people are born with mad math skills. Some people have those type of talents that this just comes naturally to them. And those are born in talents, but the Holy Spirit gifts are given to us by the Spirit. So we can't consider them just talents. I'll tell you another thing, they're not for the elite few. They're not just for the elite few. It's not just for the, for the leaders of the church. It's not just for the pastors. The Holy Spirit gifts are given to all Christians and not just a handful that somehow we think may um, deserve it more. Let me tell you another thing they're not. They're not signs of spiritual maturity. And here's something I think we get wrong in the church as well. The example that I'll give you, something I'm going to talk a little bit more about a little later, is speaking in tongues. I know some people who, uh, who, who are treated as if somehow they're at a higher level of spiritual maturity because they've been given that gift, but it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we're any further along than the next guy just because we're gifted with a certain or specific gift. It's also not to be confused with the, with the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit are described as love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are the fruits of the Spirit, when we look out in our world, are they, are they invading the world right now? I'd have to say no. Could you imagine what the world would be like if the fruits just kind of exuded from us? I mean, we wouldn't have the news headlines that we do on a daily basis. And so the, the gifts of the Spirit aren't to be confused with the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are a manifestation it's the outflowing of the Spirit that's living in us. And here's another thing they're not to be. They're not to be feared. We do not need to fear the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when you look at other things that are going on in other places, even in other churches, sometimes, and maybe you think even some of the things that go on here are just a little odd and creepy. You know, I've got a friend on Facebook that is a, is a pastor in a very charismatic church, and every now and then, he'll have pictures of him preaching and people laid out all over the place in front of him. And I think they call that being slain by the Spirit. 
And you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not being too critical because if the Holy Spirit wants to knock me over, bring it on, I'm ready. But sometimes I think we do things in churches just because, well, it's an expectation that it's not necessarily maybe a gift, but there are plenty of things that you'll see that seem a little bit odd and creepy, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not. They are not odd and creepy. It's not something we need to be uh, afraid of. So if we're going to talk a little bit about what the gifts aren't, uh, then we probably ought to talk about what the gifts are. And so I'm going to pull from two of the dominant scriptures that deal with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I could spend a lot of time, I could spend, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, half a day on talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to do that uh, today. So we're going to pull from two of the dominant scriptures, and the first one can be found in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along. Paul said this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. And if it's to encourage, then give encouragement. And if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So let's look at a few of those, and let's look at them just kind of one at a time. You know, some people have the gift of prophecy. Um, to me, that means somebody who always seems to, to know what the next step might be. You know, that's a good, that's a good gift for leaders to have, is to, is to have that gift of prophecy. I'm not going to tell you that I have, you know, this powerful gift of prophecy, but in my leadership and time in leadership, and it's usually collectively, uh, you know, I did have a little bit of a, of a gift to say what might happen if we do certain things. And so I, I do kind of think that God's given me uh, that type of a gift. I don't think it's a major gift. I don't, I'm not, it's not touting me at all. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. But I know other people that just have the sense of what God's calling them to do. I mean, it's just amazing, and I, I'm always humbled when I see somebody who just knows. And not only knows, but responds. There's some people that just inherently know what the next step should be. That's people with the gift of prophecy. I know people who love to serve. Their gift is service. I'm not going to name those people from the stage because they'd probably be upset about that because they know who they're doing it for. But they serve like crazy. I mean, they love to serve people. If you took it away from them, it would just cut them to the core because God's given them that gift of service. Some people have the gift to teach. I love to teach. That's, that's how I learn the most. If you listen to my sermons, if you've been here before, I'm, I'm probably more about teaching than I am about topics because I just love to do that. I think that's a gift that I have. Um, you know, when I was in my previous uh, position, my previous profession, the, the, the interns that worked under me called me the shell answer man. And that goes back to a commercial that outdates most of you. But um, I was the shell answer man. And you know, half the time, my answers were right. Half the time, they really were. The other half, I probably sounded like Cliff from Cheers. <laughs> you all are dating yourself, too. So. so I'm not saying I'm always right when I teach, but I take it very seriously, and, and I take it uh, as an enormous responsibility to teach the Word of God. Some people have the gift of encouragement. They're just good at bringing the best 
out in other people. And they're able to do that in a group or whether it's a person or whatever. They just have the gift of encouragement. That's an important gift to have in our world and in our culture. Dan Prout, our worship minister, he's got the gift of encouragement. You know, he, he can bring the, the best out of people and he can really assemble a team and, and make them perform, you know, because he's just so encouraging. As a matter of fact, some people think it just gets annoying how encouraging he is sometimes. But, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful gift that he has and we're so fortunate to have it here at Journey Church, to have him here. Some people love to give. Some people have a gift of giving. I know some people that give out of their poverty. I know some people that give out of their wealth. It doesn't mean you have to, have, you have to be a rich person just to have the gift of giving. You know, that's, there's some people that are blessed with very little and give a lot, and there's some people that are blessed a lot and they give more. They just have that gift. They have to do it. You know, there's pastors in our country that you would think would be living large, that they would be living a jet-set life. But there's some of those pastors uh, that do that that really have got this right. They love to give. They give most of their money away. And uh, one of those that comes to mind is Francis Chan. You would think that he'd be living like there's no tomorrow. And in all reality, he is. Francis Chan, if you don't know who he is, he's written several books that have sold like crazy. Crazy Love was his first book that went, went, that went nuts. Randy talked about Forgotten God. It's a best-selling book. This guy, the, probably the royalties from those books have brought in millions of dollars. But yet he lives a modest lifestyle. He lives in a small house. He gives most of his money away. He and his wife have a full house all the time because they bring people in sometimes literally off the streets because they can't stand the thought of having an empty room that God's blessed them with that they can't fill with somebody who needs a place to stay. So he's living this, this modest lifestyle, and I'm not trying to put him up on a pedestal because I know why he's doing it. But he's a wonderful example out of a lot of really bad examples in the, in the world. And so those are the gifts we're talking about in that first set of scriptures. And so... We've kind of went over those. Now here's the question. How do you know what your gifts are? How do we find out? How do we discern the gifts that God's given us? I came up with this, this or I came across this analogy. I didn't make this up. It's something I came across in preparing for this. I think Craig Groeschel probably can claim this. Maybe he stole it from somebody else. But it's called a pie analogy. And so I need you guys to think for me. I need you to kind of work on your imaginations here. Think about people sitting around a table and there's an apple pie or whatever pie it is. There's a pie sitting on the edge of the table and I mean it's just about to fall off, just about to fall over. And so people are sitting around this table and the person that's sitting in front of the pie sticks a fork in it and sure enough, it flops over, lands in their lap. Now, how you would respond to that may determine what your spiritual gifts are. Now, first of all, tell me if this is you. If your response would be, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen, and, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Raise your hand if that would have been your response. Oh, come on, you're not being honest. (laughs) You have the gift of prophecy. (laughs) My wife has that gift. If, I'm, if there's a cup sitting on the edge of the table, she has to move it. 
because she knows it's gonna fall, right? Randy was up here preaching one day and he had a bottle of water and he set it on the edge and we sat right up here in the front. And when he set it on the edge, I saw her lean forward a little bit. And he bumped the table and it wobbled and she leaned a little farther forward. And I thought, she's gonna do it. She's gonna go up there and move that bottle. Luckily, Randy uh, moved it to the edge, and I saw her shoulders relax a little bit. So I'm going to pay for that later. So, so, so in that case, you have the gift of prophecy, if you can see it coming. The next thing, if this is your response, oh, man, let me help you with that. I'll go grab a towel. We'll get some club soda. We'll get that stain right out of your clothes. No big deal. If that's you, you have the gift of service. If your response is, um, is this, if you, um, let's see, if, let's make sure I didn't skip one. Let's say your response is like this, this would be my response. You know, I've researched that. <laughs> First, you should have had the pie in the middle of the table because history tells us that pies in the middle of the table are less likely to fall from the edge. And if, and if that's you, then you have the gift of teaching, and if you say, oh, man, I'm sorry that happened to you. Uh, that's happened to me once. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And then the next thing you do is probably grab a piece of pie and throw it in your lap to make them feel better. <laughs> then you have the gift of encouragement. If you say, oh, man, here, take my pie. As a matter of fact, give everybody a piece of pie and put ice cream on the top of it. If that's you, then you've got the, the gift of giving, Right? And so if you say this, you know, we can get this cleaned up in no time. Hey, you go get a mop, you go get a towel. I have got a vision about how to eat pie better than this. If that's you, then you have the gift of leadership. And so I know that sounds corny. I know that's a cute little analysis, but that is maybe, maybe a decent way that you can maybe figure out what your, uh, what your gifting might be. Maybe you learned something today by talking about this, this fun little story about uh, pie. We also have uh, things online. There are spiritual gift surveys and analysis, that, surveys that you can take. Uh, we have been working on one that we would love to make available to you. We're going to try to make that available to the entire church at some point. And, you know, they're not perfect. And, you know, to be really, for them to really work, you really have to be honest in answering your questions. But we would like to make that available. You can contact me, and I'll, I'll give you a link to what we've started so far. You know, I've got, uh, I've got certain talents. I can do some certain things, and, but some of those things I really don't enjoy that much. You know, for what I used to do for a living, whenever something happens with the building, they kind of come to me because uh, I used to be in the design and construction industry. And I love the ability to help because I can, because I've got that skill set. But, but I don't enjoy that, that all that much. There's other things that I have a talent for that I just don't really enjoy doing. So maybe that's a good litmus test for what your spiritual gifting is, is finding something that you enjoy doing. Do you enjoy serving? Then, man, I think you ought to serve. I love to serve, but my, I think I've got the gift of hospitality because if you come to my house, I'm going to serve you something. Uh, I love to cook, and if you come to my house at dinner time and you don't eat, then I'm a little disappointed. I love to cook for a lot of people. We're going to go on our planning retreat here in a couple of weeks, and, you know, we do that every year, and uh, I always end up being the chuck wagon cook because I love to do it. I, I love to cook for people. And so Chris can tell you, I go way too far sometimes. Uh, I do. And, you know, another thing I recognize, the things that I love to do, 
I get a little aggravated when something gets in the way. And you guys have probably experienced that with me, and I apologize. But when it just happened this week, you know, because I was so intent on preparing and sharing with you guys. And for like three days, the beginning of the week, I had distractions every day. And I'll tell you what, I was, I was aggravated about it because I love to teach, and I don't like it when something gets in the way. So here's an idea. If you really want to know what your gifting is, what your spiritual gift is, you can write this sentence down for you. Identify what you love and get to it for the good of the body and the people in your circle of influence. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do? Find out what you love to do, and that's probably your spiritual gifting, and then get busy doing it. So the second list that we're going to look at concerning spiritual gifts is in the book of 1 Corinthians. You can read along this uh, too as well if you would like. It says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, but the same Spirit distributed them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different uh, kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is, in, it is uh, the same God that's at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through a Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. So if we want to look at these, let's look at them one at a time. Let's look at healing and miraculous powers. Some people really believe that healing is just not a gift that we have in our current time. And folks, I'm going to tell you, there ain't nothing true about that. I have personally experienced, I I can't say that I've personally healed anyone, but I've stood in an ICU room with a guy that's uh, supposed to be brain dead at four o'clock in the morning, laying hands on him, praying for him, anointing his head with oil. Guys, he is walking around today. The doctors can't explain that. I remember just recently we prayed for a guy that had a diagnosis of cancer, and, and his next appointment was just going to stage the cancer, determine what the treatments were, and to get a prognosis. We prayed over him. We anointed his head with oil. We, we laid hands on him and petitioned him, just like God calls us to do. At the appointment, they couldn't find cancer. It was gone. Now, that's not explainable. And, and I know that people will try to have scientific explanations. They'll try to say it's a coincidence that maybe the, the diagnosis was wrong or whatever. But I don't believe that. I believe it was God's will. If Jesus was like us in every way, like the author of Hebrews says, then it's obvious that he had to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to heal. If we believe that, then then how can we say that we can't heal, that he can't heal through us through, through the power of the Holy Spirit? How can they say, how can you say that we can't? The disciples healed. The apostles healed. Peter walked on water. Jesus said we would do the things he did. He said we'd do greater things. So healing is real. It's not something we've evolved out of. And it's not to be done by our own will. It's not something we can do on our own. It has to be done for God's will. It has to be his will to heal. There are going to be plenty of times when we ask, and there have been, plenty of times when we ask for healing and it doesn't come to pass. 
It doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean that our faith wasn't strong enough. It doesn't mean that we have some kind of unrequited sin in our life. It means it was not God's will. And so when it's his will, it's going to happen. You know, I'm going to test you on that. I say test me on this. Um, believe. When you're asking for healing, believe it's going to happen. And folks, sooner or later, it's going to. I've seen it. I can attest to it. Expect miracles, and they will happen. When you're praying, believe it. Believe that God can do it. Some people ask me, why don't we see more healing today? Why don't we see more miracles? And my response is, I think we do. We just don't recognize them. We write it off as coincidence. But I also think that a lot of times we don't believe it can happen. And so I think if we go to God in earnest and we go to him in faith, that healing can happen. Okay, let's talk about speaking in tongues. And uh, boy, there's quite a few opinions on this subject, as you might imagine. A lot of people kind of say the same thing about healing. They say it was for a different time. And it's not something that, that we need in, in, our, in our culture, in our day. And I don't think that's true either. Others say that, that um, they, they take it to the other extreme. They say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to go to hell. I grew up in, uh, in a church that we had a sister church that was Pentecostal. We were the church of God. And that was a big argument, even in our family. It's like, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. Uh, I can't find anywhere in Scripture that says I'm doomed to destruction if I don't speak in tongues. And so check it out. Uh, look, look for it yourself. I think we're taking that to another level where it's almost like an obligation. It's not a gift. It's something that's obligated because not everybody gets the same gifts. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too. Uh, it, it's, it's a working of the Spirit, you know, and when I was younger Christian, if you told me I needed to say something or I'm going to hell, I'll say anything you want. You want me to hear. You know, you want to hear. But that's not the point. The point is that it's a gift given to us for God's purposes and not for us. Now, I have not personally experienced this gift. I'm not saying that I won't. But if I'm a Bible-believing person, if I claim that the Bible is true and it's, and it's without fault, then I can't dismiss this gift as folly. So the, uh, in... 1 Corinthians and verse 11 of the same chapter, it says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and the Spirit distributes them to each one as he determines. So what that means is that we need to desire gifts. The Bible says that. We need to desire gifts of the Spirit, but it's worth noting that we don't get to choose those gifts, that it's up to the Holy Spirit to distribute those as he sees fit, not as we choose. The Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts, so he decides who gets them, right? They're not for our amusement either, but they're for the movement of the Spirit in seeing that God's will is done. They're resources for us. You know, there's some gifts that I think lend themselves to leadership. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said this, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. I've had some people tell me that, hey, you're the, you're the minister. It's your job to do ministry. It's just our job to help you and be there. And uh, I think what Paul is saying here is that it's, it's all of our jobs 
to be ministers. But ministers and pastors, it's their extra duty to equip you, to equip the body to do the service, to do ministry to other people. And so we need to get that right because it can't just be all on five guys. It's, it's on 500 people here at Journey Church, right? That we're supposed to minister. You know, among you, this is going to sound weird. Uh, it really, I know it will, but among you, there are apostles. Among you, there are prophets. Among you, uh, there's evangelists and pastors and teachers. Among you. Now, I know those are words that scare people sometimes, but among you, those exist. That's God's plan. There's gifts of leadership that the Spirit has given to some of you. Not everybody's going to be called to lead. Don't get me wrong. But some are going to be called to be administrators. Some are going to be called to be prayer warriors, some teachers, some encouragers. Now, not everybody in leadership has all these gifts, but a good leadership team should have all of these involved. It should be diverse. It should have all of these gifts. And I think that's what uh, Peter was telling us in those verses. Or Paul, I'm sorry. I want to close with 1 Peter. I was getting ahead of myself. Where in chapter 4, he says this, the, ends of, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should speak as if they're speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. What Peter is telling us is that our gifts should not be used to build ourselves up. They're not given to us to make us feel better about ourselves when we do good things. Uh, We used a lot of gifts a couple of weeks ago when we went out and served the city. There were a lot of people doing very different things. There were people serving food. There were people that were shoveling rock. There were people that were trimming trees and people that were climbing scaffolds and painting ceilings. And I told all of you before you went out, and I'll tell you now, we didn't do that so that you could get recognition. We didn't do that even so Journey Church could be recognized. We did that so Jesus Christ could be known in our community through what he did through our hands and our feet. That's why we're given these gifts to glorify God. And so why would we take those gifts then and hide them away? Why would we do that? But sometimes that's exactly what we do. I had a friend whose father-in-law was concerned about the safety of his family. And so he gave his son-in-law a gun for home protection. God never touched one in his life. Didn't know what to do with it. So he asked me to come over and show him. And I showed him how to load it. I showed him I was real cognizant about safety and what he should do and all this good stuff. And when I was done, I saw him take the bullets out and everything, put them in a drawer, lock the thing away. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, you know, I just don't, it's too much responsibility. I don't want anything to do with it. And so he had given, he had been given this gift 
this gift of security. Now, whether you agree with guns or not, it doesn't matter. It's just an analogy. But he had been given this gift by his father-in-law. He loved him. He loved his family, and he cared about him. But he hid it away, and he never used it. And so here's what I would say to you. Why would we do the same thing with our spiritual gifts? Why would we tuck them away and hide them and not use these wonderful gifts that God's given us? We're not called to do that. We're called to take these gifts and to glorify God. That's the purpose of our gifts. We're to take these gifts and use them so that Jesus' name might be known. You know, we're entering into a time now where we're going to do this like we've done the last couple weeks. We're going to have communion. We've got two tables on each side here. What we ask is that you come up the middle aisles when you grab your, uh, the emblems, you walk back around. Uh, we're going to do that during this last song that we're going to be singing. And, but I want to tell you, I want to be up here for you. Uh, if you want to pray, maybe you want to pray about what your gifts are. Maybe you want to pray about how you can get connected into the church and how you can fully utilize those gifts. If that's you, I want to pray with you today. If you've just got something in your life that's just really gnawing at you, something that you're struggling with, then I want to pray for you about that too. We're going to have other people up here. I think Jake's going to come up. We've got a couple of deacons right here that are standing here at the tables. Uh, if you want to come up and grab those emblems before we take this communion, if you want to come up and do that, and if you want to hang around, uh, there's nothing more than I would rather do than to petition God for you and with you. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you have never given your life to Jesus, then today would be an awesome day to do that too. I'll be up here to pray that prayer with you. You know, I know it's, I've said this, I've said it over and over, but I can't see why you would wait. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen when we walk out the doors. Jesus longs for you to accept him. And if you want to join us on this journey, I'll be glad to pray that prayer with you. Would you all pray with me as we prepare to come forward and gather around the Lord's table? Our Heavenly Father, gosh, we thank you for today. What a beautiful and awesome day. This, this, just being in creation, the thing that, uh, that you've done that we couldn't possibly duplicate. God, we just thank you for that. We thank you for this day that's set aside where we can just pause out of all of our busyness and we can just be with you. We can worship you. We can glorify you and sing praises to your name. God, I pray a special blessing for all those that will take of this supper, that they will remember the sacrifice that you gave, that you walked, you walked to Jerusalem, you climbed that hill on Calvary, you laid your life down on the cross, and then three days later, you were resurrected so that we could have a, an eternal life with you. Lord, we thank you. There's no words that are good enough, but I know you long to hear our voices. Lord, it's in your holy son's name that we offer our prayers today. Amen.